One of the great lines in hymnody is in the first hymn that we sang today. Did you hear, heaven sings, alleluia, alleluia, the earth replies. It's about as good as it gets, I think, in the church. And what does it mean? It means on a day like today, when we make commitments, great commitments for ourselves and for others, that we will live within the time frame of the imagination of God in the ark of the universe. Heaven sings, Alleluia, and we reply here on earth, Alleluia. So what am I talking about? Still might be the question. Baptism. Um, it was pointed out to me that that is our baptism window, so if you're not a good sermon listener, you can just meditate on that. Right there, there's the story of baptism for you and all that blue. What we're asked to think about today and the way that the, um, the lectionary has organized it for us is just those few verses in Genesis. And we have been grinding through Genesis a couple of times. You've heard it, the whole creation story over and over in our liturgies this time of year. Just a few verses to emphasize this. In the beginning, there is the deep. The deep is the sea, water, and there is the spirit. It never says God creates water. God never says, let there be water. God never says, let there be the Spirit. So these are the great theological debates of Christendom, and I'm not a professor, so don't worry, I'm not gonna get into them, but, um, but you, you've heard the debates. Well, what does it all mean? I'm gonna say very simply, they want us to think about today that water is not among those created elements, it is the ancient primordial element. And today we act in water. And spirit is not among the created things. It is the ancient primordial expression of God, like the wind, the ruach, that creates. And today is an invocation of the spirit on these children. What a profound thing we are doing. And we can lose sight of it because, frankly, we've been impacted by generations of thinking. Um, some of it, I really, um, that, could, that might cause you to think, let me not be controversial, might cause you to think that you've got to get it right and be worthy, and think right, and act right, and be right in the ways that the church tells you to be, to be worthy of, of this sacrament, of baptism. What the church actually teaches, and what we're teaching in these readings, through these readings, and in baptizing children, is that you are joining yourself to a great cosmic story of God's action in time. Who could be worthy of that? And we would say, no one is unworthy of that. So you heard Matt, Matt Babcock a couple of weeks ago talk about having been raised Southern Baptist um, and struggling with his little kid self about whether he was good enough for baptism, right? And it, it's just heartbreaking to even imagine for, for us, but telling us that story. And we, are, and we are doing a very different thing today. We are calling down that great cosmic story of creation that looks down on you right there in the baptism of Jesus. And you heard in that second reading the tension that we still have in the church. John is baptizing, saying, repent and return. We are not who we should be. And what he means by that is they're not having trouble with a whole bunch of people stealing or something in, you know, in first century Jerusalem. That's not the issue, right? It's not that they're not going to the synagogue on time. It's that life has failed where they are. One of the, uh, there's a new book called Why Was the Bible Written? And it's by, a, I'm gonna get that wrong. Basically, why was it made? And it's by a professor over at Candler. Um, and what he argues is, the why, he asks, is it's a story of defeated people. Usually it's successful people, conquering people, that write a book. But the Hebrew scripture is a story of defeat. They are sitting in Babylon conquered when they put these stories together to say that God has been with us. God is with us, God chooses us, God loves us, 
despite what it might look like in this world. And it's why people who have fought oppression in their own lives or in society resonate with the Bible. Like, oh, they, they, they see themselves in it because that's who wrote it. That's the story. It's a very unusual text in that way. But what they're claiming and what John is claiming in their tradition is quite simply in who you are, whoever you are, God is with you. Never let the ways of the world, the way the world has worked out, the way the world judges, the way the church judges, take that from you. And even greater still, when the spirit hovers, when that spirit hovers over you, as it will today, marked in oil, God bless us all. We can't wait to see where you lead us, and you will lead us. And may we be the people that make a place from which you can lead us, not from your pain or your suffering, hopefully, but from your joy and delight and creativity. And we commit as a church to walk with you as long as you will let us in that journey, because it is essential to us as well. Now, I know these are kind of, it's kind of big, and maybe I could make it a little bit smaller, but it's actually that big what you're doing today. This is about being in God's time. So one way to think about that is God's time is all time. It is all compressed in every moment. It is greater than time. It is before time. It is after time. And why that matters is history is in time. Everything that limits us is in history, right? War, the election year, all the scandals of this moment happen in time, right? Our own genetics, the struggle of generations of our families, all of those things in time. And they matter. God acts in them. We can redeem them. We will work in them. But let's be real clear. God has for us, for all of us, intended so much greater and more. And it's what John the Baptist is saying to his people. Repent, return. Don't be afraid. We can be who we are, even in this time. And then Paul put very provocatively, and you can kind of hear that Paul is being a little bit sassy in Acts, which Paul often is. It's a little edgy. He's like, ah, your baptism, I got a baptism. You can do your baptism. And frankly, I think I just did the same thing, right? Like, you got a baptism, we have a baptism. What he's saying is because the Spirit comes, it is not just the control of the church or the people or the person who fills that water. God, this is about God and God's time and God's will for these children and for these families and for this church. And it is greater than anything that we can imagine. But it works through us, right? Those great spiritual ideas work through the ordinary things of us. So as I told you last week, or the last time I got to speak up here, I've been listening to the podcast Empire, and they did one on ships. They did three ships for Christmas. I saw three ships come sailing and that for Christmas. And they were they're looking into why did the British ever leave their little island? Why did they do it and why did it work? And they're, they're fairly like nonplussed about it. Like they're just kind of looking at the history of it non-judgmentally. And um, one of the things they said made it possible is that there were hundred year oaks in England. This is not where I thought they were gonna go with this, right? The actual ship itself. So in England, an English village back before this time, there would have been these trees that had been there forever, like at least 100 years old, and every village had them, and they were kind of a source of sacred power. And we in Georgia and Atlanta understand trees and their power, right, and what they carry, scientifically proven. But then it was really a source of spiritual power. These, every, every village had one. They started to cut these down in some of the great oak forests to make ships. And you can imagine the strength of a ship made with a 100-year oak, right? You can, you can imagine what that would have meant. And so what it meant is as they were sailing out, they could. And that when the storms attacked them, they were fine. Like they, literally, the ship held. 
And isn't it like a place like this, right, with this old Georgia pine that you can't get anymore, right? Like the ship inverted upon us. In these ordinary things, we try very hard to sail out into the waters of life. We do our best. We sit here hoping, hoping the lightning won't strike us or the rain fall on us or that we might know the way to be in these times, in every generation, as trouble after trouble comes to us. And we have these waters in that marble, and I hope I'm right about this, but you know that North Georgia marble is the stuff that is made, it makes the capital in this country, and the Stock Exchange, and the Met Museum, right? It's this beautiful old um, strong marble, and there it is, that these ordinary things of this earth that the science tells us are strong, we understand why, are also mystical and filled with the power of life that is creation, and we take them. And the symbol for today is we take them and do the best we can to support life as we know it, to support your thriving as we know it, to support the life that you will lead, and we are so honored to do it. And when heaven sings Alleluia as it does today, and it does today for Hallie and Margaret Catherine and Messiah and Nevaeh and Sailor and Sloan, heaven sings Alleluia, and we congregation reply Alleluia. And may I invite the families of the baptismal candidates to come forward. <laughs> 